I got a boom for my mic so it hangs down instead of sticking up. Oh, cool. But what I didn't realize until I started using it is it freaking blinds you, man. Because now I'm just looking at my microphone. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm just staring at my microphone instead of the computer screen or anything else for that matter. Your notes. My notes, the computer screen, pretty much anything. So it's like I unintentionally gave myself the bird box challenge for every podcast we record. <laughs> I'm Alan Gerding, and welcome to the Tuesday Night Podcast, the podcast that's all about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, around, and even under the gaming table. I'm talking about board games, card games, role-playing games, all that stuff, dice, all that jazz. And with me, I have my Millie to my Vanilli, <laughs> Sean McCoy. Hello, that was a good one. That's my favorite one so far. The Millie to my Vanilli? Oh, yeah. Sean, I have something very important to tell you. Okay. Happy birthday to you. Mm. Cha, cha, cha. Happy birthday to you. Cha, cha, cha. Happy birthday, Mr. Co-owner of Tuesday Night Games and co-creator of Two Rooms and a Boom and single creator of Mothership, which is doing fantastically well. Cha, cha. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. Happy belated birthday, because your birthday is right after the new year. Right after it. And this is our first episode of 2019. <laughs> wow. How was your birthday? My birthday was really good. I am a boring birthday person. I like to see a movie. Enter the Spider-Verse. Enter the uh, Spider-Verse. What, what is the actual title of that movie? It's called Spider-Man... A go-go. Okay. It's uh, Enter the Spider-Verse. Yes. Went to a couple bookstores, had some nice meals. Usually I, I uh, hang out with my family for dinner, which is fun, but we're doing that tonight instead. You're very noble. Cut the bullshit. Give me the goods. What was the loot? My girlfriend got me a new pair of Ray-Ban sunglasses, which was very sentimental. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Can I have the old wooden ones? Because I love those ones. You do love those. She actually got me those on another trip. She's a big sunglasses giver. I tell her that the best gifts are gifts you would like to get yourself, but would feel embarrassed to do so because it's gaudy or whatever. And so when you get a gift, it's like, oh, I wanted this, but I could never really buy it for myself because it feels like too much to spend. I'm or... still waiting for an answer to my damn question. All I'm hearing is blah, blah, blah. I'm waiting for a yes or no. I can have your damn sunglasses. No, I'm sorry. They go into the sunglasses vault. Son of a bitch. All right. <laughs> yeah, I really like those sunglasses because I have my wood wedding ring and I have my wooden That's watch true. that I like to wear. And so the wooden Ray-Bans, oh man, that would just complete the package. But I actually went out and got myself some wooden sunglasses. Your, your goal is to look like Groot by the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, eventually. <laughs> exactly. All right. What else did you get? My girlfriend bought me a new volume of the manga Battle Angel Alita which I'm a really big fan of, and they have the new movie coming out. It was actually one of the first mangas I ever bought when I was a kid, but I never got the full set, and now they've been coming out in hardcover. 
So she got me a volume for Christmas and a volume for my birthday. You know, for Christmas, you got me Gantz, the manga Ominous. Uh, ominous? What? Whoa, I can't Omnibus? Talk. Omnibus? It's like a bus, but it's Omni, right? Yes. So you get on the, the Omnibus. The bus that is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I hope no one else is listening to this. That may have been my favorite gift. It was ridiculous. <laughs> so excited after watching the movie. I'm a huge Gantz fan. I think this fan. is actually a pretty funny story because you and I watched Gantz O at PAX Unplugged. You yes. can listen to that episode where we talk about it. So for Christmas, I got you the Gantz manga and the anime series. You got me the Gantz live action series or live action movie, which is different than the 3D movie and different than the anime and manga. There is just so much Gantz media to go around. We could keep going back and forth for a while. But you say so far from what you've seen, the manga is where it's at. That's the best. Yeah, absolutely. You say manga. I say manga. I don't know the actual enunciation. I don't either. I don't know either. So it's kind of cool that we say it either way. That way we hit all our marks, pissing off and pleasing everyone at the same time. You say tomato. I say Tamango. <laughs> Tamango? <laughs> yeah. The manga by far, so good, so compelling, so many twists. I have to ask you, though, Sean, you were so good at giving that gift, and you're a great gift giver because you have a practice. And what is it? You just take notes as soon as you hear someone mention something or if you see something, or do you just buy it right there and then? Because I was talking about this to my partner, Crystal. I told her, I think he probably just bought it while we were sitting in the hotel room watching Gaunt's through your I phone. I didn't do that because it, I bought it right when I got home, but I have a file on my notes app on my phone that says gifts, and I just have everybody I buy gifts for written down there. And whenever they say something like, oh, I like that, or oh, I love that movie, or whatever, and if they don't have it, I will write it down so that the next time I need to get a gift for them, it's there for me. This is particularly helpful with your like girlfriend or wife or husband. Which I fit all of those roles for you. I'm all of those combined. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> People will say what they like, and it's always hard right around Christmas being like, do you have a Christmas list? What do you want? What do you need? I've learned that it puts a lot of pressure on the gift giver to come up with stuff that doesn't seem ridiculous, that seems within their price range. So if you're big into giving gifts, it's it's super helpful to just take notes. And Lindsay's gotten really good at it. Like these Ray-Bans, I didn't realize, but I'd been complaining about it for years because the first thing I bought with my first check from the board game industry when I worked for Mage Wars was a pair of Ray-Ban sunglasses. And they were expensive and it was really indulgent, but I really wanted to get something nice for myself for getting a job in the board game industry. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. And then years and years ago, I lost them. And so I've probably recounted this story to Lindsay a billion different times. And then out of nowhere, boom, she got it for me. I would have never felt comfortable buying it for myself because I'd already spent the money on it the one time and lost it. It was that perfect fit of something really nice that she knew I wanted that I couldn't get for myself that she'd been listening to. I'd never told her I wanted it. I never put it on a Christmas list. She had just been listening, which is you know really thoughtful. I'm horrible with sunglasses. I've notoriously lost them. And I have some amazing stories of gifted sunglasses where they had a lot of sentimental value, much like you just said. For instance, my oldest friend is Justin Eastwood. Not that he's really old, but he was the first kid that I ever invited to spend the night at my house. We've been friends since kindergarten, no exaggeration. He was in my wedding, I was his best man. He's a helicopter pilot. 
He's flying through the Grand Canyon giving tours of this beautiful American landmark, and I get to go on for the ride for free. So I'm riding shotgun in this helicopter ride, and the sun's bright as all hell, and I feel like a dumbass because I didn't even think, oh, I may need some sunglasses for flying in the sky above the clouds, you know, where the sun is. And he has these slick, kick-ass aviator glasses, which are so apropos because he's an aviator. And he notices that I'm struggling with sunglasses, and he says, here, try my aviators. And they fit perfectly. And he said, hey man, those aviators look better on you than they do me, the aviator. Keep them. So I love those glasses, wore them all the time, made the split second mistake of taking them off and putting them down on the counter during a trade show, turned around, did something or another, turned back around, gone. Someone swiped. One of the crowd members just walked through and thought, oh, this this booth gives away free sunglasses. (laughs) And now, no more aviators. Damn it. Going back to your method of gift recording, it works so well because you're usually on your phone all the time. So if you're just taking a note of gifts during a conversation, nobody's gonna think anything of it. Right. I don't think that works so much for me though, because if you say, oh man, I really like that cowboy hat. Click, 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 click. <laughs> click, 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 click. You'd be like, dude, don't get me the cowboy hat. <laughs> That's true. But for you, I'm just, your phone's always glued to your hand and face, so it's, it's no problem. <laughs> Anything else that you got of note? Nothing else that I got of note, but the day itself was very good. Uh, We're big experiential gift givers. Like for Lindsay's birthday, we went to France. Uh, So her birthday was a lot more extravagant uh, than mine. But for me, like getting up, getting the breakfast tacos I wanted, getting to walk around bookstores all day, going to the movie theater. Beats France any day. I'm really so boring in that way. And I think part of it is the guilt-freeness. Like I can go to walk around bookstores all day, any day, whenever I want. I'll just be doing a bad job at my job. So it's nice to just sort of take your time and be like, this is all we're doing today. This is... This is why we're here. I think that's another really good point because a really spectacular, extravagant gift is very intimidating and almost uncomfortable. If someone gave me a gift of a trip to Paris, I would feel so obliged to have a very grateful and amazing time in Paris. As lame as it sounds, it might actually interfere with my time enjoying Paris. I'll give you a better example. Sir Winnie, Ben Canellis, he gets a gift for Christmas that is given to me to give to him. And I hand him this gift. Do you know this story, Sean? No, not at all. I'm on the edge of my seat. And I give him this gift and I was given very strict instructions. Do not tell Sir Weenie Ben Canellis from whom this gift originates. So it's basically a gift from Anonymous. And Ben says, what is this? And I said, it's a gift for Christmas for you. Don't thank me, Sir Weenie. Thank Anonymous. I promise you it's not for me. I'm not messing with you. He opens it up, and it's a fucking Nintendo Switch. Whoa. And he says, what? Oh, all right. And then he opens the box, pulling out what he thinks is going to be something besides the Nintendo Switch. But when he opens the box, inside of it is the factory-sealed Nintendo Switch. Wow. He was so freaked. 
why who gave this to me and he was just uncomfortable and grateful at the same time because how do you react to that what is the appropriate thing to do there's nothing in the societal rule book of appropriate responses when someone anonymously just gives you a nintendo switch do you think that's why they did it anonymously is because they didn't want him to feel in their debt i think yes And also, I think there is the dark side to it of, (laughs) I want to make this guy, (laughs) I mean, he's named Sir Winnie for a reason. I want him to weenie out (laughs) in response to this gift. Because if there's one thing that Sir Winnie can do, it's get really freaked out and uncomfortable about certain situations. And so it really nailed the mark there. But in the meantime, he's gotten over it and he had a Christmas full of Nintendo Switch gifts and things. Because if someone gifts you a Nintendo Switch, then you feel almost guilt-free indulging in buying games and accessories for the video game system. For sure. Because you think, I got the video game system for free, might as well buy extra controllers and memory and games. At least I didn't spend the money on the system. (laughs) The Switch is right at that edge too, because I think it's $200. I think it's $199, something like that. That's a lot of money to spend on somebody, particularly somebody you're not super close with. Lindsay got me a Switch, not this Christmas, but last Christmas. I think because it's a console, it seems like a bigger deal than it is. But if I was to take you out to like dinner and a movie and it was really nice and ended up costing 200 bucks for us to go hang out all day, it would be a great day. And of course, you'd be grateful, but it wouldn't feel like, oh my God, I'm in your debt. Because, you know, two people could ring up 100, 120 bucks at a restaurant very easily. And if we went miniature golfing or saw a movie, if we just hung out for a day, you could spend 200 bucks on a person. No problem. And they don't even realize it though. They just think it's an event. It's a very good point, Sean. Here's the difference between anonymous and someone you know really well. Between you and me, I think we could easily get into a gift giving war. Where if you bought me a Nintendo Switch, I would say, oh, I see your game, sir, and I raise you. And then I would get you something that would be the same price as the Switch, but a little bit more. Maybe I even just get you the Switch and a game. And at that point, you're actually putting the dollar signs in your mind. I don't think you can really help it. Right. And then you'd buy me a game, and then I'd buy you a game, and it's this one upsmanship where we can just easily keep track. But when you make it anonymous... You're just kicking that process in the nuts. How do I even show gratitude? You can't. Except through me. I will admit there was the interview of how did he respond to the gift? What did he say? And so there is the knowing of the response secondhand. So it wasn't like you just gave it to some random stranger and have no idea how they responded or with what they're doing with the game. This anonymous gift giver to Sir Weenie definitely knows how Sir Weenie reacted. (laughs) Especially if they're a fan of the podcast. (laughs) Right. Especially now, listening to this episode. So I got you a birthday gift, sir. But it is late, as these things usually are. That's the problem with having a birthday right around the holiday season, Sean, as you probably know, is that when someone orders you gifts, they're sold out or delayed. So I'm going to tell you what gift I got you, and you can respond right now. This is not anonymous. I believe you'll enjoy this gift, Avi. Otherwise, why would I be giving it to you? But there's some controversy, and Uh more of it is a conversational piece that we can talk about. You ready to hear the gift that I got you, Sean? Yes, I love controversial think pieces for birthday gifts. (laughs) I got you a poster. Okay. The poster 
is of the 100 movies that everybody must see before they die. Ooh. And it's a scratch-off poster. Oh, that's cool. So when you see the movie, you scratch off the movie as a check mark. Now, I know between you and me, we pretty much already have seen all 100 of these movies, most likely. So when you get this movie poster, you're probably going to start scratching away. But why do you think this is a controversial conversational piece? For two reasons, one of which I think may be obvious and one of which may not be. The first thing that's controversial about a poster is that it assumes somebody will put it up in their house, which dictates okay. like what's their decoration. The second thing that's controversial is the 100 movies. Like What, what are 100 movies that you should see before you die? Right, because I did not make this list. I wish it was a custom list. This is just generically. Suppose you were in a cult that didn't allow you to watch movies and you escape that cult and you're just now entering society in which watching movies is typically considered a big part of our pop culture. So when you meet someone who says, I've never seen a movie before, that's crazy. What movies would you tell them that they should start seeing? Because they've literally seen none. The Fifth Element. <laughs> this is this is a bizarre first movie to watch. <laughs> You've never seen a movie? I got to show you The Fifth Element. <laughs> it's such a good choice for so many reasons. Oh, yeah. That's what movies are like. <laughs> this is movies, huh? Okay. To All step right. that as the baseline would be hilarious <laughs> to me. <laughs> He's going to set the world on fire. Right here from 5 to 7, you know everything there is to know about that demon. His dreams, his desires, his most intimates of intimates. And what I'm looking at, intimate is this stud muffin's middle name. So tell me, my man, you nervous in the service? Not really. I was going to say, that scenario that I just created... Yes. Is not made up because as a professor, I've had a student, amazing story. She totally escaped a cult and didn't see any movies. And the reason I know this is because I used to have an assignment in my introductory psychology classes. I remember this. Where you would have to pick a basically movie pick and a movie. Pick a psychosis or a, is that the right term? A um, Sure, disorder, psychological disorder, disorder. And say how how they relate. So a common one would be fight club and dissociative identity disorder. Right. And here's the funny thing about Fight Club is that I have a forbidden list and I had to mm -hmm. put Fight Club on that forbidden list because everyone to do Fight Club and so many people would get it wrong. He doesn't just have dissociative identity disorder. He also has schizophrenia. And those two are commonly mistaken for one another as well. So right. that's why Fight Clubs are really interesting because normally people with multiple personalities don't see the other personality as a third embodiment. That's more of schizophrenia, having an imaginary friend that you think is real. So Fight Club was a rough example, but yeah, very good. Just really quick shotgun out there. PTSD, uh, Rain Over Me, OCD, mm. I would say as good as it gets. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I have a list of like recommended ones, but they're also on the forbidden list because so You're many- You're going to have to give that list because we're going to have fans asking, what's the list? What are the movies that do it right? And Rain Over Me, great PTSD one. And what was the <laughs> other one? As good as it um, gets. As good as it gets for OCD. Oh my gosh, so great. So great. Well, you know what? I won't do it here. I'll wait for that email and then we can do it on an interaction satisfaction. Perfect. So if they want to write that email in to where should they write that email, Sean? podcast at tuesdaynightgames.com. That's right. Thanks, Chessbeard. So, 
this is the 100 movies that someone, whoever made this poster, recommends that they watch. But that's not the main controversy I was thinking on, because what movie do you think is on that list, Inter- Sean? Uh, not Interstellar. Uh, the other one, uh, Inception. Inception's yeah. got to be on there. Which I've Son seen, so I can cross off. I don't think you need to see it before you die. I think if you've seen The Matrix, you're fine. Right. And I even think comparing Inception to The Matrix is... Have you tried steak? Well, you'll love a dog turd. (laughs) (laughs) I love our hate for Inception so much. So much. All right. Let's move on because we haven't even talked about it. I'd really like to potentially knight someone this episode. Please. But we should also talk about 2019. Oh, yeah. Great movie. Let's make it... (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about my holidays really quickly. Please. So, Alan, why don't you tell me about your holidays? How did that go? My holidays were great. Not because I had the semi-fatal flu, but because I got to play a crap ton of board games. (laughs) It's time for the tabletop. Games I've played, and you slow me down, let me know what you want. I'm just going to read this list. More monikers. The expansion to monikers. You wanted more monikers? Well, you got it. And you wanted a box to hold all your monikers expansions in? Well, you got that too. The Chameleon. It's just like Spyfall, but simpler and quicker and easier for the Chameleon. So now it's Spyfall with less stress. Thieves. A shitty little card game by Calliope Games. Pass this one up if you can. Mm-hmm. Goris Maximus, a simple trick-taking game with a twist. Werewolf Insider, which is not werewords and it's not insider, it's my own modification. By the way. What up? They sell Oink games at Barnes & Noble now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can get Insider and Fake Artist Goes to New York. Both of those, Deep Sea Adventure and a new one called Troika that I hadn't heard of. Oh, did you pick it up or no? No, I didn't, but... I'm thinking about it. And it's a Barnes & Noble, so I can get it whenever I want. Barnes & Noble. If you don't have a friendly local game store, you do. It's Barnes & Noble. Anywho, I played a lot of games. You know what the surprise hit was? The one that hit the table the most? I'm going to give you a clue. It sounds like I'm being a shameless shill for our company. Oh, wow. Are you going to say Duel? Nope. No. That's not Lemonade. Yes. Hit the table again and again. People kept playing it because it didn't matter the ages. Right. A lot of the people that were celebrating New Year's and family coming in town for Christmas aren't traditional gamers at all. So imagine just a six, seven and 10 year old just playing this game and they loved it. And all of them were asking, how can I get this? How can I get this? Sean, what's the best way you can get that's not lemonade? Now I am shilling it out. You can pre-order it on our website right now. We're about to send pre-orders out this week and then it'll be on Amazon sometime this month. We're working with Elijah to set an official launch date. Elijah Longwell, our social media manager. So hats off, Elijah. Good. We played Hansy. Ooh. Clank in Space was requested by my gamer relatives. Really? Did Crystal get in on it? She did not. Crystal did not get in on Clank in Space. Kingdom of Air, Kingmaker. Now, this is one that was kickstarted. It's self-published by Alan Cheshire. Thing about Kingdom of Air, Kingmaker, the reason I backed that game and got it is it has the title Kingmaker. And do you know why that is special to this podcast, Sean? Yes. 
12 years ago when this podcast was just starting, you, me, and SBJ, who died, was our former host. He just had his funeral on New Year's. <laughs> he had a New Year's funeral. Uh, no, SBJ is alive and well. He got married on New Year's to the wonderful and lovely Irene, and they are super fucking happy. Congrats, you two. I'm sorry yeah. we couldn't be there, but as you've probably heard, I had a whole bunch of family coming in at tradition. But man, pictures look great. You know who the best man was? Was it Will? It was B-Team Will. So that's why we didn't have a B-Team episode last week, because I was sick. Oh, man, I haven't told you the story of my illness. I was so sick during New Year's, I couldn't do an episode, and B-Team was busy celebrating SBJ's funeral slash wedding. And congratulations again, SBJ and Irene. Really cool. Yes, uh, Kingmaker. So uh, I want to say, I don't remember the details, but I believe that either somebody wrote in asking for us to workshop a game or SBJ had an idea for a game and we workshopped it on air. That was exactly right. SBJ brought to the table an idea for a game and he wanted a workshop on our podcast. And we had so many people write in ideas for a game that would be called Kingmaker. But then someone just sent me a link to the Kickstarter of a game called Kingmaker. So we played Kingmaker and I even got to play Sir Weenie's next game that is being published by Floodgate Games called Destroy All Humans. So congrats. Congrats, Floodgate. I was going to say congrats, Floodgate, because this is the game that we should have published. We should have published this game, Sean. I played it. Damn it. Wish we had this. Good times. Super talented designer. Really, really is. Yeah. Who has a Nintendo Switch? Son of a bitch. (laughs) Oh, shit. I just realized I called it Destroy All Humans. That was its original name. Floodgate Games, when they bought it from Sir Weenie, They've renamed it the Three Laws of Robotics. How about you? Did you play any games over the break? I didn't. We had a pretty game-free Christmas. I played games. We talked about it before at some Christmas parties coming up to the holiday. But the holiday itself, it was more movie-centered. We saw Vice about Dick Cheney. Oh, how was that? How was Vice? It was good. If you like the big short and Adam McKay's other stuff, I mean, not so much his early stuff like Anchorman. But if you like his new sort of political stuff, it's it's right in line with that. And if you like getting all riled up like I do, then it's good for that, too. Wait, it still riles you up even though it was in the past? Oh, the past riles me up so hard. <laughs> okay. No, they do it. They uh, we You can cut this out if it's too political. They do a good job of showing like how long Dick Cheney's actually been in politics and a lot of the things he did while in office that have had ramifications today, like the help to create Fox News. It's just a lot of stuff where it's sort of like, this is about the past, but you could but see where But the effects ha- are still rippling through the present, obviously. Right. When I look at the previews, the main thing they emphasize is how he casually would have heart attacks. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> going to the hospital. Yeah, they play that up for laughs for sure in the movie where he's just like, well, uh, family, uh, I think we should go to the hospital. Sorry. (laughs) Just like, oh, shit. Speaking of heart attacks, we we should do an ASMR. We should do an ASMR submission. Let's do it. Okay. Hi, Alan and Sean. My name is Frank, and this is my Nave Tonight submission. My board game story begins about eight years ago. You see, I wasn't really into board games growing up. I played Monopoly and Risk just like everybody else, 
but I never got into anything more complicated than that. In fact, I was a huge comic book nerd, and I used to go to San Diego Comic Con and Dallas Comic Con and some other big conventions, but I never really got into the gaming aspect of it. I was just there for the art and there for the comics, and that was about it. Well, about eight years ago, a friend of mine here in Dallas, knowing that I was new to town, said to me, hey, why don't you come out and play some board games? You'll meet some really cool people. You're new to town. Everybody's really nice. Just come out, have a beer, and have some fun. So I said, sure. I go out, and just like every gamer ever, my buddy puts down Settlers of Catan and Ticket to Ride to open up the night. Those games are fun, but really thematically, didn't really float my boat. I don't really care about dropping trains down, and frankly, I don't even remember what Settlers of Catan does. The last game my buddy puts down is a very plain looking board with a lot of little squares and some numbers on it and a big old hole in the left hand side of the board. I look at him and I say, what are we about to do? And it was really awesome because he kind of smirked as he clipped this plastic piece into a cone shape and said, we're going to play the downfall of Pompeii. We are gonna build the city of Pompeii and then we're gonna burn the MFR down and we're gonna try to get as many people out as we can. And just like lightning hitting someone's head, it all made sense to me. Board games are about theme. And it didn't take but two seconds after I pulled my first Omen card and picking up one of his little pieces and sacrificing that little person to the gods to understand how amazing and important theme is to board games. Well, fast forward eight years later, and I'm trying to get my wife into board games. And just like everybody else, I showed her Ticket to Ride, and I showed her some other games, and she kind of looked plainly at me and wasn't really into it. Well, the downfall of Pompeii had been out of print forever, and they were selling the games on Amazon for like 65 bucks, and I wasn't paying that. Finally dropped in price, finally picked it up, I put it down, when my wife pulled her first omen card and pulled my little person and sacrificed him to the gods into the volcano, I saw the same lightning bolt hit my wife's head just like it hit mine. Theme was king for her as well. And that's my story. I hope you guys keep doing what you're doing. As far as green light, yellow light, red light, I'm going to say green light to keeping on with the podcast and doing a great job. Even more green light to the B team because they're awesome. Uh, yellow light to nothing and red light to red lights. Peace. What you think, Sean? I like the part at the end where he said that we should keep doing what we're doing and change nothing. Uh, but I didn't like the part about the B team. So off with his head. No knighting. <laughs> Here's what I really liked, his monologue about theme being king. He used a game that was very plain looking. And a lot of times when I think of theme, I think of a game that is saturated in art that transports you and has these really fancy components so that you feel the theme. But that is not truly theme. That's just graphic design that can help with the immersion. But he liked the story behind the game, which is all about role playing too, because with role playing games, all you really have in front of you is a piece of paper and pen. But one of the reasons that Mothership, Sean, <laughs> is doing so well is because of the theme. 
people love the theme of just being some kind of space trucker whose life is worth nothing to anybody. <laughs> yeah, people like that more than I thought they would. <laughs> yeah, so that that's theme. And realistically, you don't get these fancy components, but the fall of Pompeii was simply, as he described, this blank board, not very gorgeous at all. And that's why I really liked a description of how important theme is. I totally agree. I played brass with Donald and Nikki at, at BGGCon. It's not what you'd call a thematic game. It is about railroads and steam power and beer and this kind of stuff. But it is really thematic in that it's got character cards. You really feel like you're doing what it says you're doing. You really feel like you're building an industry in the age of steam and then having to rebuild it from the ground up in the age of coal and trains. But there are these weird things that the game does that are not good for simplicity and elegance, but are good for saying, okay, now the game transitions over into this new world of railroads where rails are more important than steam that you wouldn't do if you were just trying to cut a game down to the bone to be the simplest, most elegant experience possible. But that's a secondary ambition of the game whose primary ambition is to make you feel like one of these industrial landowner tycoon type people. And so it's interesting how the theme has to connect with your audience. So I don't think theme has to be king. The game has to be fun, and there are a lot of ways to make a game fun. But I definitely think for a lot of people, a good road in is theme. You're nailing it, Sean, because the one thing that I keep on saying is if someone says, I don't like board games, that's insane because it's like saying, I don't like music. So many different tastes, so many different styles. So for me, it's the story and the connection and memorable experience that you create around the table. But for Frank Fisher, who sent in that Nave Tonight submission, his entryway into loving games is theme. So if you use that music analogy where my love may be jazz, his is just old-fashioned classic country. I just came up with two random genres. That's my improv skills. But that's the idea. There's so many different forays into the board gaming industry, and his is theme. So for him, theme is king. All right, let's knight this sucker. What should we name him, Sean? I've got a couple of names. The main one I'm thinking is Sir Theme. I was thinking Sir Themey, but yeah. Sir Themey? Yeah. <laughs> I'll add on the why. What, what was the game that he liked? Uh, the other idea I had was Sir Pompey. It was the fall Sir of Pompey. Sir Pompey. Ooh. I think Sir Themey is better. <laughs> okay. Let's go with Sir Themey. So congratulations, Frank. Here we go. Knave, approach we nobles and kneel to allow us to honor thee. We, on behalf of all knaves, knights, and nobles alike, applaud thine heroic and knightly contribution to this, the Tuesday Night Podcastle. Allow us to dub thee Sir Themey of the Tuesday Night Podcast. Now rise, rise, Sir Themey, as the newest knight of the Tuesday Night Gaming Table. Yay! Sean, let me tell you something else that I really liked about Sir Themey's submission. It was in an M4A file format. Do you know what that means? M4A is a Mac proprietary format? Which means he followed our recommendations. So how do you think he sent us his Nave Tonight submission? I am guessing he recorded it with his iPhone and then just emailed that voice recording straight to podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. I would assume that is correct. And you know what's crazy? I'm not sure if you could hear his audio quality, but it was some of the most superior audio quality. And we've had people submit Nave Tonight submissions using what we're using right now, like Yeti microphones, 
the audio quality is ridiculous on iPhones and it's so simple. And yet he also prevented popping his peas. So I want to know, Sir Themy, did you put a sock over your phone while you were recording? Because none of your peas popped. Like I'm going to take away my pop filter so you can experience peas popping. Peas popping. Oof. None of that. Yeah, it's brutal, right? Powerful stuff. Really cool, really smooth. And it was just about the game that got him into the board game industry. Super simple. We didn't talk about Game Crafter, Sean. Let's talk about Game Crafter. <laughs> Sponsors, yay! Thank you for sponsoring us. Send us free stuff for money, and we'll talk about your stuff, but only if we like it. <laughs> Sean, have you been interacting with Game Crafter at all this holiday season? Because I know I have. I actually have, and this was a kind of a weird story. Uh, my friend... Andy Nelson, who I grew up with, I went to visit him for an engagement party out in Florida, and we played a lot of That's Not Lemonade. And his dad said, hey, Sean, I've got an idea for a board game. And usually I'm always like, because usually these ideas are very bad. But he was actually going to take, I guess it's some open source game about memeing or whatever, but he wanted to change all the memes in it to photos of his family. So he wanted to make like a little family game that he could give out at Christmas. And he said, how could I go about doing that? And I said, oh my God. You should use the Game Crafter. They have templates. It'll come out looking professional. If you've got the graphic design skills, and this game's pretty easy because you're just making memes, which there are tons of meme generators online where you can upload your own pictures, this will be perfect. And he said, okay, I'll take a look at that. To which I thought, man, this guy's never going to take a look at it. It's a lot of work to make your own board game. And then I saw him on Christmas. Andy came into town to see his family. Lindsay and I went out with him and his fiance, Learn. Way to name drop, Sean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just want to immerse everybody in the theme of the story. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I stopped by his parents' house where I used to hang out all the time as a kid. And his dad was like, oh, my God, I made that game using Game Crafter. And it worked out perfectly. And everybody loved it. And we played the game all night. And it really blew me away. He really had taken my advice, which always makes me feel good. But it was just an example of how a guy with no board game experience who had the game ready Went to Game Crafter, made a bunch of gifts for him and his family for Christmas. So they had a personalized game. So it's not even something you have to use if you want to like make it huge in the board game industry like Alan and I clearly have. You can do it for fun little stuff. So huge. <laughs> so huge. And I thought that was really cool. Really, really good use of Game Crafter. TheGameCrafter.com. Boom. Obligation done. <laughs> you know what else is a good idea? Ending this episode, Sean. That's what I think we should do. Great idea. Well, if you're listening, that means that you're a knave. If you want to be a knight, please send us your short story, much like Sir Themy did. We'd love to hear from you. Any questions, comments, concerns, email us, podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. What's one of the best things they can do to help support the podcast, Sean? You can rate us five stars or review us on iTunes. That's huge for us. Uh, you can like us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at PlayTKG. At PlayTKG. These are all great ways to interact with us and just let us know what's going on. We have a newsletter on our website you can sign up for. Really just any way of getting in contact with us and spreading the word, telling a friend or two about the show is huge. It's so I believe big. the expression is share the shit out of it. Yes, that's the polite society way to say it. That's industry inside jargon. I can explain what it means later on, but share the shit out of it. I think with that being said, Sean, this episode is... <laughs> uh, finished. I gotta go to the hospital.
If you think you're good at werewolf, check out Ravenwood Castle's Weekend Werewolf Event in March. <laughs> How woo!